Well, it's good to be with you all this morning. Thank you for braving the snow, brave crew here, and for all of our friends joining us online. It's great to be with you this morning. Welcome. My name is Jason Dunn. I'm the executive pastor here in K2, and we're going to be continuing this morning in our series we've been in, Healthy Heart, Healthy Soul, and thinking about today how to break the power of the past. Does anybody here need to break the power of the past at all? Okay, yeah. Uh, good. I've got something to say this morning about that. And uh, this burden that God's put on me has been a lived burden. I'm, I'm really excited to share with you this morning. So let's just dive in. Is there anybody here? And I saw the nods heading already. who has been stuck before in the pain of the past or even right now this morning. Is there a piece of you that just still feels paralyzed, like frozen <laughs> in fear and anxiety in depression. Um, maybe that pain came from a deep wounding in the past, something that happened in your family as you were growing up. Maybe it was a parent or a sibling, or maybe that wound was caused by something outside your family, some sort of earthquake event, okay? Something where there was a broken relationship, a trauma or an injustice that was visited upon you and emotionally you feel like you still have no peace, no joy in your life because of it. And I've been there, okay? I've been there. For the first probably four decades of my life, stuck in the past is exactly where I felt. I felt like inside a poster child for being emotionally unhealthy. And the most ironic part was, as people looked in on my life, they, a lot of people thought it was great, I mean, I was gainfully employed. I was super successful. I had a family that loved me. Uh, I went to church. I was in a small group. I was even a leader in my church. Um, but inside, I was a brutal, chaotic mess. I really was. Just tossed back and forth like the waves of the sea between anger and depression. Anger and depression. Back and forth. And for me, that power of the past that really gripped me was driven by a broken and very dysfunctional relationship with my father, filled to the brim with agony and rage. I spent years and years just distraught and hopeless. Years and years, no idea what to do. I felt like my prayers were bouncing off the ceiling. I felt like I was getting eaten from the inside out. My young faith was rocked and rocked brutally. At times, I felt like there's just no way there could be a loving God who would allow me to have experienced what I had experienced and see what I'd seen. Oftentimes, as an adult, I felt like I was alone on this, like an oddball. Have you ever felt that? Like this is just happening to you. There's no one else out there like me. There's no one else going through this stuff. But then as a CEO, as a pastor, as a counselor, as a discipler, as a friend, I've had the experience to talk to scores of people, dozens and dozens in the industry at K2. They described to me their most difficult experiences in life, usually relational things. And what I found out is my experience wasn't all that abnormal. Okay? It's not as uncommon as you might think. The details, the severity of our stories can vary. But humans getting stuck in the past, folks, 
is really not the exception, okay? In my experience, it's more like the rule. It's part of human condition. And the great news about Christianity, there's a lot of great news there in the gospel. But one of them is that pain from the past does not need to define your future. It doesn't define your future, okay? God does. God does. God has the power and the desire to redeem that, to transform that, to heal everything that's happened to you in your past and to break its power over you so that you're truly free, maybe free for the first time. And I 100% believe that today because I've experienced it. But I struggled desperately to believe that for the first four years of my life. I believe that broken relationship with my father defined me. It was something I can never overcome, something I can never escape from. And that feeling started as a young boy, as young as it gets, and it just kept building. It was like this pain and anguish backpack I was wearing around, okay? I was carrying it with weight just being added every year. New rocks from every painful experience I went through. The first rock got added to my backpack when I think I was just three or four years old. It was my earliest memory. Um, I kind of stumbled into the garage, and my dad was in there working on something. He looked a little perturbed, but I just said, like a kid would do, hey, Dad, how's it going? And for some reason, he took a, a Budweiser can he had near him and just threw it through the drywall in our garage right next to me. It kind of left this perfect can-sized shape in the garage, just kind of memorialized there together. I don't know why he did it. I don't know why he was angry. I don't know why he really couldn't talk to me about what was going on. But I learned then that life was a little dangerous. And I wasn't sure that I could really trust him. Other rocks were kind of added each year. There'd be a new hole in the wall at home. Uh, I remember Thanksgiving pie one time decorated the ceiling at our house. Um, it was just normal to kind of stumble into these buzzsaws of anger that made really no sense to me. But I think the biggest rocks were added later um, when that anger was no longer being really directed at the wall or inanimate things, but at me directly. And it was really more than I could bear. This backpack started to feel like a crushing weight on me. And by the time I was a teenager, those waves of anger and depression had just arrived. But I want to repeat this morning. The great news of Christianity is that pain from the past does not define your future. God does. God doesn't. He wants to take this burden that might be on you from the past, even this morning, and he wants to remove it, okay? He wants to drop it from us. He wants it off your back permanently. That's what he wants to do. And that's what he can do. But the other piece of my testimony is that backpack, that burden is not coming off, doing it your way, okay? This has to be done God's way. So many of us 
and I did this too, are desperately trying to fix ourselves, fix it our way, apart from God, cooking up things on our head that we think might work, dreamed up in our own minds, utterly doomed to fail. And I'm really speaking from experience here. Apart from God, how do we usually try to fix things? Most of our plans basically boil down to fight or flight. They just do, folks. Um, I tried flight first. 17-year-olds, I shot out of my house like an arrow and ran away to college. Pretty much severed my relationship with my father, cut him off emotionally. In my mind, I think I was kind of adhering to the time will heal all wounds deal. That's not a biblical concept, by the way. Okay. I thought if enough time went by, things would smooth over, things would kind of chill out, I'd forget about these things, I'd feel better. I've literally never been so wrong about anything in my entire life. Things didn't get better. In fact, things got worse. I got angry, more angry. Anger was building. And hear me out on this, if you've been severely wounded You really don't need more time. You're just going to bleed out. Okay? You don't need more time. You need healing. You need a healer. Well, when flight didn't work, I moved on to fight in my 20s. With my anger growing, the scared little boy was now a very ticked off grown man. And in my youthful exuberance, I decided it was time for reckoning, time for some justice. Uh, That I would personally go to my dad, present my record of wrongs, demand an explanation, demand accountability. So I drove home, and I did this, that. I sat my dad down in my living room, and I annihilated him in rage, just like he'd done to me so many times before, hoping I'd feel better afterwards. I didn't feel better. I felt a lot worse again. As I mentioned a minute ago, if you've been badly wounded, you need healing. You need a healer. Wounding the person that hurt you is not gonna wound, is not gonna fix your own wounds. It's not gonna heal your wounds. Okay? You're still gonna bleed out probably faster. And once we realize fight and flight don't really help us. We usually move on to medicate, okay? We medicate ourselves and try to find anything that will just dull the pain, dull our pain, distract and entertain drugs, alcohol, porn, pills, shopping, gambling, activities, mindless entertainment of all kinds. There's just a lot of options out there, folks, to do this. I personally chose the most societally acceptable addiction and became a success addict. (laughs) My purpose in life was to really beat everyone and everything and win at everything I was good at. Academics, sports, jobs, promotions. I was actually amazed at the power my pain actually gave me to compete in all of that. I think I was trying to show the world, hey, I'm fine, I'm fine. But. I wasn't fine inside. And that backpack, it was still squarely on my shoulders. It wasn't going anywhere. 
And if you've been in that boat, if you're in that boat today, I just want to try to equip you with a biblical roadmap for how to find healing from the life of Joseph. And if you've never felt that sort of pain, that's okay. It's not a requirement, right? But maybe this will prepare you for if you're ever in that situation or if you're walking with somebody who is. So let's jump in and take a look at Joseph. Of all the stories in the Old Testament, the story of Joseph is definitely one of my personal favorites. I think we can draw so much hope from Joseph because he came out of one of the craziest family debacles imaginable, like seriously, and God healed him completely. Okay, So that's a really, really cool thing. His story is found at the end of the book of Genesis. Uh, we won't read the whole story today. It's 14 chapters, so that would take the whole time, but... Let me just give you a feel for this morning for how Joseph's story started. So Joseph was one of Jacob's 12 sons. Okay, these are the famous 12 sons that become the 12 tribes of Israel. And Joseph was actually Jacob's favorite son. And Jacob wasn't too shy about displaying this. He actually got Joseph a richly ornamented robe, okay, the coat of many colors you may be familiar with, and gave it to him. And that kind of made the other brothers desperately jealous of him. And Joseph kind of didn't help his own case with that because Joseph's, one of his gifts was he was able to interpret dreams. And he was given this dream that eventually he would rule over all of his brothers. And he sort of told brothers about this. (laughs) And that kind of jealousy turned into a murderous rage and they actually conspired to kill him. Okay, after a little bit of discussion, They kind of downshift and just throwing him in a well and selling him off as a slave, which they did. And uh, Joseph was carted away to Egypt. Then the brothers covered up the whole thing. They actually took that robe, ripped it, dipped it in blood, took it back to dad, said, hey, wild animals killed, killed Joseph, covered it all up. So, yeah, you thought your family situation was crazy, right? Uh, Joseph can relate. (laughs) A rough start for Joseph in his teens, okay? Everything was taken from him. His family, his friends, his home, his robe, his future, his inheritance, his freedom. It was all taken away. And then things got worse. Um, So when he was a slave in Egypt, he was serving in the house of an Egyptian official named Potiphar. And Potiphar's wife falsely accused Joseph of something. And the charge kind of stuck And he was thrown in prison to rot for a decade. Okay, now I know many of us have had pain in our lives, but Joseph can relate. I mean, he lost it all, okay, like twice. And then had 10 years in prison to think about all that. It's a crazy starting point for Joseph. And today I have really four points I want to draw out of his story that I think will really help us as we try to break this power of the past. So the first point here is, let's draw near to God and let him start healing us. Let him start healing you. This is what happens with Joseph. And it starts in Genesis 39, uh, verses 20. This is why I get Joseph's low point. He's in prison. And it says, while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. And I just, I just love this, this language. At the peak of his hurt, the Lord's there. Folks, God's kindness is really the definitive starting point 
for any healing we are going to experience. Okay, we can't heal and comfort ourselves. The people who have hurt us can't heal us. They just don't have that power. God alone can heal you completely. And the scriptures are so clear on this over and over. I just love particularly the Psalms, how they express this to us. In Psalm 30, verse 2, O Lord, my God, I called to you for help, and you healed me. Psalm 34, the Lord is close, close to the brokenhearted and saves those crushed in their spirit. In Psalm 147, I just love this. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up those wounds. There's that image. He doesn't want you to bleed out, but you're going to on your own. He can bind up these wounds, folks. He can move us to a place of healing. And I could go on and on with this idea in Scripture. God's the source of the healing on this. And this reality was so powerful in Joseph's life. Later on, when he had a son and had a chance to name his first son, he named him Manasseh. Okay, Manasseh. You might say, big deal. I don't really like that name or whatever. Okay, names in Hebrew are a big, big deal. They have deep-seated meaning, okay? And Manasseh means God has healed me and made me forget entirely my troubles in my father's house. Forgot entirely. That's where God took Joseph, okay? God is the healer, folks. He's the power source. That's the starting point, but we have to be obedient to him and do some things as well, okay? And one of those things is we need to be completely honest with God about the sadness and loss we've experienced, okay? We can't deny and push this away and say nothing's going on. And, and, and the heroes of the Bible do a great job at this. Um, Pastor Dave talked about that with King David last week in his story, that he was willing to confess. And confession is this biblical idea of, I'm going to come clean with God. I'm just going to get completely forthright with him. And why is this so necessary? God says to approach him, to worship him in spirit and in truth, okay, in relationship and in brutal honesty. And this isn't to help God, okay? He already knows what's going on. He doesn't need an update, right? This is for us. This is for us. So we can stop living in any denial, stop trying to sweep anything under the rug, get everything out on the table so he can start to heal everything and heal it completely. And for Joseph, he had a lot to complain about. I mean, his brothers had clearly devastated him. The pain of that was so severe, in fact, when he had a chance to see his brothers again. It was a while in the future. So much time had elapsed, they didn't even recognize each other. But Joseph saw them, and he actually had dismissed himself from the room he was in. And Genesis 45 talks about this. Um, it says, Joseph wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard all about it. I mean, could you imagine having such an ugly cry that you basically put an entire palace on notice? That's what happened here. But that was Joseph's reality, and God's fine with it. God welcomes us to draw in and be completely honest with him about that pain. It'll be good for our soul, necessary for our healing. 
Okay, but don't stop there. Proceed, okay? And actually make a decision, folks. Okay, make a decision to obey God and forgive those who have hurt you. Now, I know for many people, this is where it starts to get really hard. But us deciding to forgive those who've hurt us is an absolutely necessary part of our healing, okay? Biblically, forgiveness is this idea that there's a debt against me, okay, that this other person cannot repay, okay? They owe you something, but they can't repay it. There's nothing they can do. They can't give you that time back. They can't give you those experiences back. They can't heal those wounds. They can't take away those scars. There's a debt there. And what we need to do is be willing to cancel that debt they can't pay, just like God did for us. And by the way, being willing to forgive is a command from God to help us, not a suggestion, okay? It's a command. Let's look at Colossians 3 on this. Bear with one another and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive, command, as the Lord forgave you. Now keep in mind, the bigger the offense on this, the deeper the pain, the harder this can be, the longer it may take. This is usually a long-suffering process. It requires a continuous act of our will. And it's probably going to be a battle, okay? It was for me, it may be for you, but it's oh so critical to forgive. The consequences of not forgiving are just absolutely disastrous in our lives. And Jesus spoke into this in his famous section um, in Matthew 6, part of the sermon on the mount. Let's read this together in Matthew 6, 14. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, what in the world does this mean? Um, We won't forgive others. God doesn't forgive us. Is this talking about our salvation? It's not, okay? Our salvation, it's clear how that's won in the Bible. It's a gift from God. He graces it to us by faith in him and what he's done. Okay, it's not by works. And clearly, when you choose to forgive somebody, that's a work, okay? So we're not talking about losing your salvation here. But it does mean if you will not forgive somebody, actually, our fellowship with God is frustrated, okay? If you won't forgive, you know your fellowship with your fellow man or woman is frustrated, but if you won't forgive someone when God has forgiven you, your fellowship with him is now frustrated. Now, why would that be? It's because in the gospel, in the gospel we say we believe, we, we say, God reached out to me when I was helpless. He reached out to me when there's nothing I could do. When I was guilty, when I was sinful, he stepped in, and I accept what Jesus did for me. I'm willing to accept that for me, but then I won't extend it to someone else. And God looks on it and says, what? My gospel's good enough for you, and you'll accept that for yourself. I've given you the power now to extend it to others. So extend it to others. And, I, and I've just got to say, biblically, and it's been my experience, if you will not forgive others, 
that backpack is not coming off completely. It's just not coming off completely unless we're willing to do this God's way. Now, the good news is he's given us the capacity. He's given us the power to do that by first giving us love that we can now give to others. But we need to make a decision to obey. We need to make a decision to obey and to do this. Now, the Genesis story doesn't say exactly when Joseph forgives his brothers. It's just not included. But it's clear that someone who has forgotten all his troubles completely did just that with his brothers. And it's, and it's clear when they met up again based on how Joseph treats them. Because at the end of the story, Joseph really shocks the world. I mean, his brothers come and those same brothers that took away his life, took away everything, he doesn't give them what they deserve in a worldly sense. He actually blesses them. And so the final idea here is don't be surprised if God really asks you to bless those who have hurt you. Biblically, and I know this is a hard truth, you can't be 100% free without a willingness to actually bless those that have hurt you. And I know this sounds hard and and even far-fetched if somebody's actually still hurting you. And I'm not saying to go out there and put yourself in harm's way, folks, so don't do that. But I am saying that if you're down the road of forgiving somebody, just be open to God asking you to take that ultimate step and bless someone who's hurt you for their sake, for your sake, for the kingdom's sake. And and Joseph was asked to do exactly this when he saw his brothers again. He fed them. He accepted them. He loved them. And he did so because of that amazing grace, that peace he felt, that healing he'd already experienced. And let's look at this in Genesis 50. It's kind of the conclusion of the story when he saw all his brothers again. And his brothers came and they threw themselves down before him and said, we are your slaves. They actually knew what they were supposed to get at some level, okay, what they could have gotten. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children, okay? At some level, this is the ending of the story we all want, right? It's beautiful. It's storybook. But how hard is it to really go out and bless somebody who's hurt you deeply? Bless somebody who hasn't made things right? In my own story with my father, the idea of blessing him, that that was a hard thing for me to consider for most of my life. But after many years of being in that forgiveness process, I felt like I still was not quite at peace. I'd been praying about this for months, asking God, is there something you want me to do? And then one day, I felt like he made an outrageous request to me. I remember it as plain as day. I was driving home from work. I remember exactly where I was at on the freeway and it felt like this message came through the window at me from the Holy Spirit to my heart and it said, Jason, get in your car, drive to your parents' house. 
Drive to your parents' house and tell your father you want to help him. That you want to provide a place for him to live for the rest of his life. I mean, it was that direct. It was a weird experience. Um, It wasn't an audible voice type of deal, but it was strong. It was heavy on my soul. And I was just trying to sort this whole thing out. Like, whoa, what was that? Did I just have a bad burrito Um, (laughs) that day? I started asking questions. That, that wasn't the enemy. The enemy wouldn't tell me to bless my father. It was not my idea. I mean, the idea just freaked me out completely. And I concluded that, yeah, I think the Lord is saying this to me, but I was struggling with the idea. I mean, although I knew my dad was kind of broken down at this point and couldn't work and probably could use some help, he was the type of person who never really asked for help in his life. And when some people had offered in the past, it did not go well. And so I was churning on this idea, and my flesh wasn't all that excited about the idea either, if I'm honest. Um, Just this idea of helping someone who hadn't made things right and who had hurt me. And so I found a way to kind of rationalize and justify this weird experience away by the end of the day. But the very next day, I was driving down the freeway, and at the exact same point, I felt like this message come through the window. Jason, get in your car, drive to your parents' house, And I just decided to submit to this weird request. And the very next, yeah, it was a couple days later, I got in my car for a a long 11-hour drive home alone, uh, a nervous drive home, actually. And I arrived and went to the house and, and sat my father down. And I have to tell you, honestly, I don't, I was so shaking in my boots so shaking in my boots. But I did what God asked and told my father what I wanted to do for him and why. And to my utter surprise, I told him and he, and he gasped. And he, and he fell to his knees, sobbing. He was so thankful, so touched, and told me it was the first time in as long as he could remember that he felt hope. And, and he wasn't the only one who felt hope. I'm, I'm telling you straight that after I listened to God and did what he asked me to do, that backpack I had been wearing for 40 years fell off me almost supernaturally. Fell off me virtually in an instant and, and permanently. And I was at peace for the first time in my life. That burden was gone. Just like Joseph, I felt Manasseh in my heart. God made me forget completely what happened in my father's house. My whole life, I had no idea what to do to fix this, but God did. God knows how to put the pieces of your lives back together. He really does. So as we close, and I invite the band back up, I would just ask you to take courage this week. Do an inventory. Commit to just seeing where you're at with any hurts in your past like this. Maybe you can process that with your small group, a trusted friend, a counselor. What's your next step on this? Do you need to draw close to God for the first time and just ask him for his kindness and to start this healing process? Have you come straight with him? 
has told him everything about how you're feeling, what you've experienced. Do you need to make a decision for the first time? I'm going to obey God. I am going to forgive those who've hurt me. Or are you open to God asking you to actually bless someone who doesn't deserve it? These are the paths of healing God prescribes for us. And they will work. They work for Joseph. They work for me. And they're going to work for you. Okay? Let's pray this morning as we close up. Lord, we thank you that the pain from our past really, truly does not determine our future. Lord, you determine our future. You have the power to do that, Lord. You are the way maker. You have the desire to make a way for us to heal us completely from anything we've gone through. So Lord, help us all in this room and online this morning, Lord, to follow you. Let's just do it your way. Jesus, we need you to do that, Lord. Will you help us be obedient? Will you meet us in our place of hurt? And do what you do, Lord. Be God for us. We ask all this in your precious son's name this morning. Amen.